This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. I think history kind of shows you play a little more simple game on, on the road. You realize it's going to be a, a tough night, especially when you're going up against a team like this in a building like this. You just expect the battle level and the compete level to rise to the occasion. And we certainly did that tonight. We got out to a, a great start. We got the lead and give them credit. They had their push there in the second period. We weathered the storm. And I thought we had a, another good third period when, when protecting one goal lead. Karma is, well, you know what the saying goes. And it serves Barry Trotz right for interrupting me yesterday on the show, Dave, when he was honking and interrupted our conversation with Eric Erlinson. And do you ever hit, do you ever, on your key fob, do you ever hit the alarm button like Barry Trotz did yesterday to interrupt you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only time I would do that is if I, I get lost in a parking lot. You know, <laughs> and I come out when, of a, when and I'm the like, Islanders, where did I park? When the Islanders played at the Barclays Center, there was a vehicle. It was like an SUV or or a Jeep or something that was always parked because it was a weird setup. Yeah. Like the arena is, is not really hockey friendly. I should say wasn't hockey friendly. They're, they're not playing there anymore. It was much more well-suited for basketball and the Brooklyn Nets play there. But they had this vehicle. Like if you ever go back and, and find, find an Islander game from when they played in, in Brooklyn – like the 2016 playoffs between the teams, if they ever do a pan out, you'll see this vehicle that's just yeah. parked on the event floor in between where the boards end and the stands begin. Right. And I wonder if that was all part of a plan. Wait a minute. I don't like that call. That might have been. Can you just picture Although Barry that predated Trotz? Barry Trotz. Can you picture I Barry should have Trotz? thought of that on the show yesterday. That would he's have, that he's would have listening to us in some weird location in his car <laughs> and says, wait a minute, and starts blasting the horn to have me get rattled. But Dave, like the lightning last night, we did not get rattled on our show. No. And we have a lot to discuss. So there's, I feel like in a game like this, there there were so many turning points, as you have said often, an hour sometimes doesn't do this show justice, but we're going to do our best. If you want to react are. to the game, please do. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Winelli. Steve Ersnick is producing one hour of hockey talk. No guests today, as we do typically after a game. The Lightning win last night, 2-1. to one. And, Dave, big picture, this was an impressive win for the Lightning on many levels. They started the game very well. In the last five minutes, they ended the game very well. In between, there was some push from both teams, and the Islanders certainly from about the second half of the second period on dictated play. A couple of things are starting to develop through three games in this series that maybe we can start calling it a trend. Andre Vasilevsky is winning the goaltending matchup, although... I'm not sure I can fault Varlamov for anything so far in this series. To his credit, and to be fair, he has been very good. Vasilevsky's been better. Again, that's not a knock on Varlamov. That's a credit to the best goaltender in the world. The second point, the Islanders are getting some chances. Maybe not a ton. We can debate that today on the show. I'm sure we will. They're not finishing 
when they are getting their opportunities as much as they would like? Is that a product of not having, quote-unquote, elite players sprinkled throughout the lineup like the Lightning do? Possibly. We'll talk about that. That's my opinion. I'm kind of on that on that boat. The third takeaway for me so far through three games, and specifically what we saw in Game 3, I think we have to start talking about Tampa Bay's defensive play and how it's either on par with the Islanders or even better so far through three games. I've been annoyed, as you can tell at times, before <laughs> this series started, about the Islanders' structure, how good they are. Now, I'm not going to give you much. Was that a common refrain when you were following the Penguins-Islanders series yes. in round one? Okay. Because so don't you, forget, you to, had a steady dose of this. Well, because the Islanders dismantled the, the Penguins before in the playoffs, and there was a lot of talk yeah. about how Crosby and Malkin and these guys. And but they you know scored. What? The Penguins scored in some of the games. Certainly they did. That look. Listen, I, we're not going to harp on that. That that series stemmed from. No goaltending. I firmly believe if if the ping if the Penguins actually got decent goaltending, that series goes the distance, and there's a strong chance the Pittsburgh Penguins win that series. Be that as it may, that didn't happen, and the Islanders won that series. But that explains your your yes. annoyance. But what I'm saying is, line. I think a storyline developing here through three games that that is that Tampa Bay's defensive play has been a bit better than the Islanders. And, yes, they have Vassy to pick them up when there are breakdowns. But we have to call it like we see it. I don't know if anybody anticipated the Lightning ding up as well as they did through three games. Maybe we should have. But we always talk about offense wins games, defense wins championships. And at least through three games, I think you can make a case that the Tampa Bay Lightning are ding up a bit better then the Islanders, then you factor in they're getting a little bit more finish from their stars because, well, let's face it, they have a few more. And maybe you can see why they've got a two games to one lead through three in this semifinal matchup. So I think I'm going to, I'm not going to completely differ with you, but, but maybe I have a slightly different take on it. I don't know that anybody should be surprised that the Lightning are Ding up because that's what they did in the bubble last year. They show they can defend. They defended well against the Islanders in the series last year. And and I kind of promised myself I wouldn't keep circling back to that series because the Islanders are a different team. The Lightning are a different team. The teams are at different places this year than they were last year. But, look, we talked about it at the start of the series and as we got into the series and certainly after game one, that if the Lightning were going to have success against the Islanders, they had to prioritize playing with structure themselves. And I think they've done that in games two and three. And again, scoring chance totals are, are subjective. You could go from one coaching staff to another. You may get looking at the same game. Like the two coaches with their staffs may break down game film and come up with a different scoring chance number for and against. That's how subjective that that stat is which is why it's not really even a stat because it's it, it is subjective and it can be hard to quantify like you know a scoring chance when you see it but some are you know how dangerous is it or what are what are we counting this as in terms of how they're grading their team's performance but if i were to spitball Greg, i would say the islanders had more scoring chances in game one than they have had in games two and three combined 
which I think is a fair statement and speaks to how much better the Lightning have defended in the last two games. But let me get into last night's game. I thought both teams defended well, and I guess where I would differ with you is the Lightning are defending better than the Islanders. I thought the Islanders defended well last night too. So when we talk about defending, again, there are a lot of components that go into it. One of them is you can defend when you have the puck a lot, which we have talked about, right? And that's and that's probably the, the best way to defend, like the most preferable way to defend. Just have the puck. If you have the puck 80% of the time, it's hard for the other team to score. It's hard for the other team to generate much of anything at all because if they can get it back, they're probably ready for a line change and they're not really applying up ice pressure. But it's hard to maintain that over the course of a full game and it's unrealistic to expect that you can just have the puck the whole time and not have to worry about playing without the puck in your own end. But that's part of it. Another part is what we call rush coverage. So this goes to like back pressure. Can the defense gap up? How hard are you making it on the other team to bring the puck from their own end into the neutral zone and then into your end where they're not dumping it in? How easily are they are they entering your zone and are you giving up odd man rush chances? That's part of team defense. And then the other part, or at least another part, is... What is happening in your zone when you do not have the puck and the other team does? And like puck management is part of this. So if you get the puck in your own end, how cleanly are you getting it out? Are you committing turnovers? Are you managing the puck well? That was a problem for the Lightning in game one. So I think what we had last night was, in terms of possession, two polar opposite games. You had the Lightning owning by a wide margin the possession advantage in the first 30 minutes and the Islanders having an advantage in the second 30 minutes, which goes to like you noted from the middle of the second period on, the Islanders started dictating things. You're right. They got more of the possession. So what happened in the first 30 minutes? The Lightning had the puck a lot. The Islanders did not get much going. They had that chance from Kyle Palmieri in the first period. That was a great save by Vasilevsky. But after Yanni Gord scored, the Lightning really took over the game up until the middle part of the second period. And they had some close calls. Kucherov had a tip just wide. They had some attempts that just missed the net. How about Chernak made shot. a couple of good saves. Yeah, Chernak shot early on, right? Hit yeah, the that was in the that was in the first ten yeah. minutes, even yeah, before right. Yanni Gord scored. Right. The Lightning had even in the second period, like they had a bunch of shot save scramble plays. Islanders blocked some shots, so that's where I'm like, the Islanders actually dug in pretty well defensively because I'm not sure the Lightning got a ton of chances when they had all this possession time, but they got one chance. <laughs> Gord got a chance and buried it, and that was big because it gave the Lightning the lead, which is something we talked about. How would they? How would they keep this raucous crowd? at bay and one way to do it is to score first and make the other team have to play catch up but what happened in the middle of the second period certainly through the end of the second and this was what Stamkos acknowledged in his postgame comment the Islanders started getting more possession their their urgency level went up the lightning were not as crisp at managing the puck but not so much in their own zone, but through the neutral zone into the offensive zone. They weren't able to execute 
plays with the puck that allowed them to keep possession, and the Islanders got the puck back, and the Islanders were getting it into the Lightning's end fairly routinely. So that's that's this part of, like, are you gapping up? Are you standing up at your blue line? How are you handling what the other team is doing through the neutral zone? The Lightning had a dip there, and the Islanders took advantage, and let's give credit to the Islanders. Like, they started, they started skating with a purpose. They started getting the puck in more regularly. They went to work on the forecheck. They spent a lot of time in the offensive zone up until the point that Clutterbuck scored. But even having said that, and this is this is the the key point which you brought up, the Lightning were really good last night, whether they had a lot of the possession or they didn't, at Ding up in their own zone when they did not have the puck. Now it happened less in the first 30 minutes and more in the second 30 minutes. But whether whether it was when they had a lot of the possession or less of the possession, when the Islanders got the puck in the lightning end, they had a hard time getting to prime scoring areas. There were a few, and Vasilevsky stopped them. Mentioned the Palmieri one in the first. He made some good saves during that surge by the Islanders in the second, but I'm not sure that... Like, did Vasilevsky have to make any incredible saves? Like, the one he made, I keep mentioning Palmieri. He's had a really productive series, but that glove save he made on Palmieri in the first period of Game 2 that was that was highlight reel material. Like, we didn't see that from Vasilevsky last night because he didn't have to because the team was defending so well in front of him. And the goal that the Islanders scored, like, they had hard work. They they good, did a good job. Sezikis won a puck battle behind the net. Martin had a, had a chance. I'm not sure that it was like a glorious chance, but it was a good, had a good chance. Pelic had one, I remember, really around the six-minute mark of the second period, Dave. He had a, it was actually a couple of shots in a row yes. where he got so they had, they had some Barzell, looks, but, you know. But on the goal, yeah. Vassy makes the save on a Martin attempt. That's a fairly good attempt. I wouldn't say it was like an incredible scoring chance, but it was it was an open look. Yeah, and that puck should have been made the save. And yeah. Chernak has the puck. And, yeah, right. And... You know, if he had to do it over again, he would have put that puck into the corner. No doubt. But he's trying to get it back to Vasilevsky to cover it up, and there's just way too much traffic in the blue paint. And I don't even know that Clutterbuck got his stick on it. It may have just hit off of him. I never really saw a conclusive replay. It definitely went off Clutterbuck. I couldn't tell if he got his stick on it or it kind of hit his skate, and it just slid through Vasilevsky's pads. I'm not sure that you would call that, like, a tremendous scoring chance, it was a little bit of a bad break after an ill-advised decision by Chernak, who otherwise yeah. had a really strong game. But now the crowd is in it. Now it's 1-1. Now the Islanders are saying, all right, we got rewarded for the good work that we've done over the last seven to eight minutes or whatever. And they continue to press, and they brought the puck right back into yeah. the Lightning's end on the next shift. Nothing happened. They didn't score. The Lightning get it down the ice, it's not icing. The linesman had waved it off, and Pellick takes an interference penalty on Kucherov. And that gave the Lightning their only power play of the game, and we can get into the penalty. The Islanders didn't like the penalty, but it was the only penalty that was called on them the whole game. It was interesting. Braden points that afterward, the Islanders had made an adjustment on their penalty kill, and they really closed off a lot of the shooting lanes for the Lightning. You During the tell. power play, they yeah, you had one tell. shot. But they had zone time, which was that's exactly that, right. Which was big. It, they had zone time. I think there was there was one clear when a hand pass was called that shouldn't have been called. Actually, they called a hand pass on the Lightning, even though Clutterbuck touched the puck after Corn gloved it. But once the whistle blows, that's it. Neutral zone faceoff, and then 
I think the Islanders got it down the ice off that face-up, but the Lightning brought it right back in. So those four penalty killers for the Islanders, at least after the hand pass, whoever they sent out, they were out there for the rest of the penalty kill. And while the Lightning had a hard time finding shooting lanes, this was the adjustment that Point talked about and the good job the Islanders did on that penalty kill, because the Lightning held it in and moved it around, eventually Hedman did get an open look or a chance to get the puck to the net, if not on net, at least close to the net. And that led to the rebound goal for Point. And that was that was a huge goal. I mean, I don't know how this series is going to play out, but at least to this point through three games, that is one of the biggest goals that we've seen scored in the series. Just think of what it did. First of all, a goal in the final 20 seconds or 20 seconds left in the period, always big. A. B, the Islanders actually killed the penalty. But those goals that come right after you kill a penalty and still allow a goal, those are stingers. B. C, it came like, what, within three minutes of the Islanders scoring. So pretty much a bounce-back goal. The Islanders didn't really have any time to play in a tie game because almost immediately they went on the penalty kill, and then they're down again. And, And lastly, well, more than lastly, another one is now the Lightning get to bring a lead into the third period instead of tied 1-1. Huge. And now you quieted the crowd again. How different would that third period have looked at the start if it were 1-1 and the Islanders were continuing this momentum surge? Instead, it completely changed the complexion of the intermission, quieted the crowd. I mean, like, what a a huge, huge goal that was. Yeah. The third period, and I know I'm kind of going on here, but like Stamkos talked about their, their third period work. I think the Lightning have had better third periods, frankly, in this playoff year where they've had a one goal lead that they've carried into the third. After the beginning part of the period and then the end of the period, you're right, they finished well. That middle part of the period, the Lightning ceded a lot of possession of the Islanders. The Islanders did not have to to sweat very much to get the puck into the Lightning end, and some of that was born from the Lightning didn't do much with the puck when they got it out. They needed some puck possession. They, they didn't have a lot it. of it. You're yeah, right. they got it at the end. But what happened was the Lightning deed up. So the Islanders were credited with eight third-period shots. They missed one on Green. I saw the play-by-play. Green had back-to-back shots. They only gave him one. He had Wait, they missed, they missed something? <laughs> yeah, they missed something. Yeah. So let's say the Islanders had nine shots. But based on the amount of possession they had, like you would have figured they would have had more than nine shots. And they had, like, Zajac had a really good chance early in the period, about five minutes in. That kind of got the Islanders going. That was the one where Savard batted the puck on the rebound out of the air. And, and got it out of the zone, but it was a yeah. good save by Vasilevsky. The green chances back-to-back were dangerous. Komarov had a chance where the puck caromed off the end wall, and, and he was standing to the side of the net, and he put it in front. Vasi stopped that one. That was before the final TV timeout of the game. So with five minutes and change left, that was the Islanders' and then final he shot, shot one over the net, too. Didn't he shoot one over the net, too, Komarov? Later, yes. Yeah. So they missed the net on a couple. Yeah. But their last shot on net was that Komarov attempt Yes, right before the final TV timeout. So again, like we think about the components of team defense. Did the Lightning manage the puck as well as they have in some other third periods where they've had a lead? Probably not. Did they close up the neutral zone as well as they've done in other third periods where they've had a lead? Probably not. But did they D up well when the Islanders had the puck and the Lightning didn't? 
Yes, mm-hmm. they did. And, so and that was point, a big key to to getting that game across the finish line. And then, like you said, they did have a good final yeah. four to five minutes. And they, and they had a lot of up-ice up pressure. They almost scored on a couple of shifts. And the Islanders didn't get much going once they yeah. pulled the goalie. So, like, circling back to your original point, I thought the Islanders defended well, too. But the Lightning matched it. And the Lightning got one extra play, which allowed them to play the majority of the game with the lead. Sure. Which and is I, really important. They're defending well. They're getting timely scoring from their stars. Vassie has over a 930 save percentage so far through three games. Right. And, you know, the Islanders, they can probably look themselves in the mirror, Dave, in a quiet moment. They may say it publicly. In a quiet moment. You know, they'll come out and say, we've got to do more to get pressure in front of Vassie. We've got to get more traffic in front. Okay, that's, that's fine. Easier said than done. But it's not like they've played poorly through three games. I think the Islanders are giving you everything they can possibly get, particularly with what we saw in game one. People listen to the show for opinions, and I I, want to give them that in addition to what we saw last night. I thought the second period for me, and maybe it was more so because of the way it was unfolding and how the Lightning scored late, to piggyback off of your point, I think the Islanders are going to look back at this series and say that's probably where the series was won and lost. And I think the Lightning win this series. I'm going to come out and say it. I think that was, for me, a big moment in this series because the margin of error is so small right now at this point. And a couple of things are developing that I think you can't really you can't really change because it's not like the Islanders can get more talents or more elite scoring. I think the Lightning are burying a little bit more of their chances than the Islanders. You mentioned a, a couple of opportunities they had, particularly with Palmeria and Komarov. And I made the comments to you, I think, in game two. If Komarov had better hands, he would be finishing. He's a, he's a grinder on a first line. He's never been a, yeah, they a miss huge Anders goal scorer. Lee they do, <laughs> hey, for sure. But if Komarov's getting those chances, Dave... That's, I'm not surprised. He's not an elite goal scorer. He's getting chances, good for him. But in the playoffs, there's such a slim margin of error. You've got to bury that. He didn't. Uh, Paul Mary is a good offensive player. But he arguably has been maybe their most dangerous player. I think Barzell's buzzing. Barzell had some moments last night where... He's Listen, looked he's looked a lot more dynamic through three games. I think he in has this series than he did in six games in the series I, last and, year. And, and I I would I would agree with that. And he's got to start finishing here if they want to have a chance. I, I know it's simplified in many ways the way I'm bringing this up, but it's almost like what we saw against Dallas last year. Dallas was a really good team. They had no answer for the Lightning's elite players. And the the Lightning aren't getting that many chances like they did in the Stanley Cup Finals against Dallas. But their stars are making enough plays. And let's include Victor Hedman. Let's include Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov and and anybody else you want to quantify as a quote-unquote star player and throw in Vassy because that's a big part of what they do. I just think sometimes we like to overanalyze things. Not us, but I think sometimes we do. We like to... You know, why aren't the Islanders scoring as much? Or, you know, why aren't uh, they generating more scoring opportunities? Well, some of that, a lot of it, is the other team is, is playing very well. But I think the Lightning's talent in those particular instances, Dave, when the margin of error is small, 
is starting to stick out a bit more as this series progresses because the Islanders are getting some chances. They're not finishing. A lot of that is Vassy. He's a star net netminder. But I think some of it, too, is we talked about this before the series started. The Islanders are a really good team. They just don't have a lot of elite talent. And sometimes you need a guy to make a play. You just need to. Braden Point falling down made a play. Was it a little bit of luck? Sure. No doubt. But he's in, in a position to make a play. And he finishes it. And Braden Point now is on a, a path here in, in terms of what he's doing goal-wise in his career in the playoffs that is pretty remarkable. And he's got, what, six goals, Dave, in six straight postseason games. That's a franchise record. He leads the postseason in goals. Yeah, you can say he's playing with Kucherov on the power play, and, and that's fine. That's okay. You still have to finish. You still have to make plays when given the opportunity. And the Lightning don't need as many chances offensively to finish that maybe some other teams, like the Islanders, need. But I think those are a couple of things that are sticking out through three games. It doesn't mean the Islanders can't come back. I know some may feel uncomfortable calling a series like I just did a bit, but it's more of a compliment to what I'm seeing from the Lightning. You're getting a team that's defending. You've got a goaltender who's in a zone. And now you've got you know your star players just making a few more plays, and it's nothing the Islanders aren't doing. It's more of what Tampa Bay is doing. And I'm comfortable saying that because I, I think that this has been an impressive run right now for the Lightning so far in three games with what they are doing against a very stingy Islanders team. And at the risk of repeating ourselves, it has really helped the Lightning in games two and three that they have not had to play from behind. Yes. Which Good may point. change tomorrow night. Good point. I mean, if the Islanders can pop one in, then all of yeah. a sudden they can they don't need to worry about scoring more and and creating to score. They can they can get into their structure even more and wait for counter chances, right? Yeah, right. But that hasn't happened in games no. two and three. I want I want to get it back into that finishing topic because I think it's it is interesting. We'll talk about that when we return. We'll take a quick break at Bolts Radio. We have some questions starting to um come in. I want to get to those as well. What did you make of period two in game three? And talk about the last five minutes you saw in this game, the way Tampa Bay was able to hold on and tilt the ice just a bit. We'll break that all down as well. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli. Steve Ersnick is producing. It's Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Glad you're with us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Recapping Tampa Bay's win last night, 2-1 over the Islanders. Boy, that 2-1 score, Dave, really resonates with these two teams, huh? <laughs> yes, last, it does. Last couple of years. I mean, it's been Well, the incredible. Lightning seem to have found the way to win 2-1 games on the road yes. a lot, right? Yes. Twice in Carolina and then 2 nothing in Carolina. That's, you in know, the that, honestly, 6-1 on the road. Everybody wants to talk about, you know, why aren't you a little bit better at home? But that's that's another sign of a team, Dave, that's that's kind of been through it in the playoffs. Nothing really phases them. So when they have a bad period or let's say a bad break in a game, particularly on the road, you know, we talked about this a lot during the playoffs last year, but even throughout this year is that I think when you go through what they went through last year, winning games in the bubble, being away from your family and friends for an extended period of time with no fans in the building. 
and you come away in that environment, Stanley Cup champs, I've got to think there's not a lot that's going to rattle you. And mentally, you got to be pretty strong to endure that. I think every team that, that experienced that, for sure, but I think the one that came out on top, there is something to be said for that. So I never thought it was going to be a huge home ice advantage for the Islanders. I think a lot of people played it up because it was an easy talking point. And let's face it, the Islanders fans were loud and credit to them. I think they were loud because they finally have something really to root for over the last couple of years. I think that part's exciting. And that building is a bit different than other buildings. I, I'm, I'm not going to minimize that. But to act like the Lightning somehow were going to fall apart because they were going on the road to take on the Islanders, I just I didn't see it happening. And, and who knew? Uh, who knows what's going to happen uh, in game four? But you know, let's let's be completely blunt here. The Lightning did what they needed to do on the road. They get one again on Thursday or on Saturday, and you know the Islanders are going to have some problems. But I, I thought at least just winning on the road, Dave, that record that, that does speak to a team that's that's been there, done that, and and really doesn't get rattled. Just take a look at the last five minutes of that game. They Steve was looking at the numbers. How many minutes did Victor Hebden play? Yeah, apparently Ruta, Ruta and Chernak got dinged up and were unavailable. We've talked about Victor Hedman in this context before that, like, if it were up to Victor, he would play 30 minutes a night or more. And he'd be but comfortable. But the Lightning with that. understand that, you know, they have the luxury of having Ryan McDonough and Mikhail Sergachev. They don't need to play Victor Hedman between 28 minutes and 30 minutes a night. But if they had to, he could do it. So when you're saying to Victor, all right, we have two defensemen out. We got five minutes left in this game. You're going. He's he's saying, bring it on. Like, he loves that stuff. And what did he play? Like, four of the last five minutes over two shifts. You know, the the great ones. Uh, look, I, it's stupid to say, you know, guys relish playing more. Even a fourth liner wants to play more minutes. Right. But you, you do feel like the elite players want to be out there as much as possible. They kind of relish that. Hedman, I think, is a guy, Dave, the more he plays, because he has the puck a lot and because he just joins the rush, I feel like he's a guy that a lot of minutes isn't a, isn't a bad thing for his game because I, I think he, he does a lot of good things in a game. But it may take him a little bit to get going because of all the things that are asked from him. But I think he was phenomenal. And, you know, let's face it, too. We talk about Tampa Bay's back end, and everybody wants to talk about the left side, and boy, is it strong. And again, kudos to the Lightning organization, Dave, for the way they built this back end, particularly on the left side uh, with trades and, you know, obviously drafting Hetty way back. But the reality is, too, you do need guys to elevate in the playoffs. And I, would, would you agree? Jan Ruta and David Savard have yeah. been really good. I mean, really Jan Ruta, Jan Ruta, he's defending hard. And what I've been impressed about, his his ability maybe to move up in the play a bit. He's gotten a few shots on goal this series where, you know, whether he's coming down the right side and, and just letting one rip, he gets the goal in game two. I mean, they're not taking up space is what I'm saying. And there are some times when you make a trade for a guy like David Savard, and you just assume it's going to work out well. Best defenseman that was rumored to be headed uh, to another team at the trade deadline. Savard on a lot of teams is a top four. 
sometimes it takes a while for a guy like that to fit in. And sometimes, Dave, it never happens. And let's be let's have an honest moment here. With David Savard and the way he played during the regular season, and maybe even during the first two rounds, I think it was fair to say I think the Lightning were expecting a bit more. There are reasons why it didn't happen. Some of that could be off the ice, just getting familiar with the surroundings. Some of it might be on the ice, probably more of an adjustment, going from a team that doesn't like to push pace in the Columbus Blue Jackets to a team that likes to activate their defensemen a bit more. And maybe it took Savard a while to get going. And David, you know, if they would have got knocked out in the first round, we probably would have looked back and said, you know what, they swung for the fences with Savard, and that one just didn't work out because he didn't play as well as they were hoping. But the Lightning, and this speaks to how good they are, they allowed him to get settled, and they won enough games where now maybe we're starting to see Savard. I mean, he's played how many games now in his Lightning career? What would it be? Over over 25 for sure, right? I mean, we're getting into that 30 range. Yeah. Where maybe he's starting to feel comfortable now. And maybe for him it was going to take that many games before we started to see the David Savard we covered and watched all those years in Columbus. And now it's starting to click. And now all of a sudden, when you look at the Lightning's defense, and let's throw Luke Shen in here, Dave, it is solid, top to bottom. But a lot of that has because has become because of the play of Savard and Ruta, I think have been really good in this series against the Islanders. I'm looking at the play-by-play. I agree with you. I think the 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 core of six defensemen, that core has played very well. So I'm looking at the play-by-play, but first the event summary, which gives you the individual stats for the players. The Lightning had 25 shots last night. McDonough had three, Ruda had three, and Hedman had three. That's nine, and then Chernick had two. So 11 of their 25 shots came from defensemen. Although I'm also looking that Victor Hedman does not have any shots that were blocked, which is incorrect because on the Braden Point goal, Hedman's shot was actually blocked accidentally, but it hit Andy Green. Wait, are you saying that's the how stats Point are wrong again? Yeah, I think they counted <laughs> that as a missed a missed uh, shot. Yeah. Which look, whatever. He had five shots that they said missed the net. So it was one that was actually blocked and and take that out of the miss missed shot. But I agree with you on on Ruda. I mean, active. He had an early attempt. Was it him or Chernak who shot off the mask of Varlamov? One of them. One that of them was had an early, early shot on. in the game. Yeah, okay, that was it was Chernak. That yeah, was, was one of his two shots. Yeah, yeah. And on the play-by-play, and again, so we, these are the stats that are given, and this is not something that I can remember off the top of my head. So we have to trust it. But as I just pointed out, like there's some things you can see, like that was just flat out wrong. They they don't have it right here. They didn't even credit Travis Zajac with that shot with the Savard knocking out of the air. They gave it to Scott Mayfield. And look, one wears 14, one wears 24. They're both righty shots. I guess you can understand how a mistake like that could be made. But it's not like they can't go back and look at the play on replay. It was a fairly fairly prominent play like they showed it a couple of times on the replay that's how I saw that it was Savard who knocked the rebound out of the air and these are the Islanders off-ice officials this is their team that they see every single home game so take take the play-by-play as it is read with a grain of salt but we were told Chernak was not able to finish the game 
that shift where the lightning buzzed prior to the Islanders pulling the goalie, McDonough had a shot in that sequence. Yanni Gord had a shot. So it was the Gord line that was out there. Chernak was out with McDonough. So Chernak's last shift ended with two minutes and 19 seconds left, which is, I think, when they pulled. They were about to pull Varlamo. Remember, Barzell had it behind the net, and Varlamo was trying to come off, and Barzell just waved him and said, go ahead, go to the go to the bench. So basically with about two minutes left. So Chernak was not available during the sixth attacker, but he did play up until two minutes and 19 seconds left. From that point, off the face-off, they had Hedman and Savard out there. Hedman played the final two minutes and 19 seconds. But Savard went off after about 30 seconds, and it was McDonough and Hedman for the final one minute, 35 seconds yeah, or so. that's correct. The two of them were out there. Right. And it's not like we had a bunch of whistles, right? I mean, it was just – it was continuous action – and I guess they could have come off the ice. There was no face-off, but I'm not sure if, if there was a face-off that they would have come off the ice. So that speaks to, like, McDonough and Hedman were out there to protect the one-goal lead in the final 90 seconds when the Islanders pulled the goalie. What was also impressive, too, and you're absolutely right, you know, we talk about the Lightning and what they're getting from their back end. I didn't think it was a particularly strong game from the fourth line last night, Dave. And... You know, in some ways, it, it almost felt like it was a, a three-line effort a bit uh, last night more so than what we've seen because that fourth line has given them, I think, some solid minutes in this series. They had some some problems uh, defensively, and I, I think a lot of that is just matchups too. And, you know, you get out yeah. there against the Barzell line. That's a tough matchup. Their last shift was that Komarov attempt right before the TV timeout. Yep. The fourth line didn't get another shift. Yeah, in the final and five and that makes sense. And, change. and that's good coaching too. I mean, I think John Cooper, you know, give him credit n- not to, uh, <laughs> not to move away from these topics. But uh, congratulations, by the way, to Rod Brindamore who won, yes. you know, the Jack Adams Award. But did you see the voting for that? It, it just, I mean, John Cooper was eighth eighth on that list i mean I, look i well we've talked like, about i mean i, I have a vote just, i have a vote in that it is hard to pick only three and evison i get because nobody expected minnesota to do as well as minnesota did and i have a hunch that everybody who played in minnesota's division all the broadcasters that covered that division fair. had evison on their list and just like fair. i was talking about the bias of seeing brindamore that's why we in need the Central to wait Division after the Stanley Cup because I do feel like guys like John Cooper may never win the award. Not that he cares, Dave. It's just a talking point, though. But what does well, it mean? Well, he did win it in 2019. Yeah, he did. But, I mean, for a guy like that, I, as long as this team is competitive and, and one of the best teams in the league, I think you can make a strong case he should be in that top three, top four every single year. It's like you almost well, get did penalized you know, for being successful. Did you know that the GM award – that the voting takes place after the second round of the playoffs. No, I did not know. I didn't know that either, but it makes sense because usually the three candidates are three of the four GMs of the remaining teams. But but in this instance, it was Bill Zito, which I, I like that selection. I think Bill Zito did a great job with the Panthers, and I'm glad that he got acknowledgement for that. 
But that's kind of along the lines of what you're thinking, right? Like, wait until at least the playoffs begin, or maybe until you award the Stanley Cup. You say just give it to the Stanley Cup winning coach. But I think you would be okay with having the voting occur later, too. Yeah, I think that would be fun. So that, that but that's what they do with the GM off. award. Yeah. No, oh, good for them. Good for them. Well, they I, they probably want to make it seem like, hey, yeah, your team your team did so well in the playoffs, and you deserve accolades for this. And who votes on that again, Dave? The GMs. I'm not even certain who votes on the GM award. Because I'm wondering if a guy like Julian Breeze, while there was just no way he was going to win it this year because of the narrative about manipulating the cap. You know, yeah, I, I don't it know. would be a hard, hard sell, I think, for for people to give him that. Or the Bergevin one, the Bergevin one is a little interesting. Like that is born from the Canadians winning two rounds. Really? Well, I, look, I mean, he made some moves at the beginning of the season, right? Josh Anderson to Foley. They got the goalie in Jake Allen, although Carey Price is playing right now. But it's not like the Canadians were tearing up the league during the regular season. So what have they done since then? They added Cole Caulfield, right? Am I missing anybody else? That was the one guy they added at the end of the year. And he's having a great playoff, don't get me wrong. Right. As is Toffoli, who was sure. an addition during the offseason. Bergevin's but I don't know. interesting. But he's interesting because he's a guy I feel like every year, like I follow some guys, as do you, I'm sure, uh, that cover the Montreal Canadiens. And look, I understand their media is a bit different than here in the States, but I feel like every so often I'm reading tweets that he should be fired. <laughs> I mean, it's been kind of a, yeah. I, I think it's been a hit, hit and miss type relationship with that guy as their GM. I mean, can we honestly say Bergevin's done a great job as their GM? Yeah, maybe this year if you, if you want to say it, but I, I feel like they've probably underachieved more than anything. Over the last few years, he's been the GM. But, you know, whatever. I mean, you get this far, sometimes that'll that'll do a pretty good job of fending off the naysayers. Right. And, and, you know, Vegas Vegas was expected to be good. Yeah. And did they really? I, I confess, I, I can't remember if they made many additions during the season. I mean, they added Petrangelo during the offseason. Sure. And, you know, he's a great player. It almost seemed like... Peter DeBoer should have gotten more votes. Yeah. He maybe got lost in the shuffle there. Peter if, DeBoer. If people in the West were voting and voting a lot for Evison, that hurt Bednar and to a greater extent DeBoer. DeBoer. Even though been... they both did a really good job coaching their respective teams. Is he looking to take his third team to a Stanley Cup final? Did he do it with the Devils? Mm-hmm. And then he did it they with the Sharks. They lost to the Kings, and then the yeah. Sharks lost to the Penguins. Yeah. So he's looking at good coach. Just had a yeah, very good coach. Had a brain cramp in that Colorado series when he went with uh, Leonard and came on. <laughs> we don't let those guys. Dave, that just goes to show you. You're Even like the, you're like a dog. I'm a hawk. gnawing onto that. I'm a hawk. You know, I mean that. But that you know what that shows you that even really smart people make mistakes. Yeah. I mean that's that that just happens. Bob says game four is a must win. For the Islanders, although even down 3-1, anything is possible. Expect them to readjust their game to be able to get through the forecheck and defense, but then they have to hope to beat Vassy next. Game three, defensive play, wins cups. So here's the thing about the Islanders. I think this is certainly true in the Pittsburgh series. The Islanders' best game in the Pittsburgh series was game four when they were down 2-1. And then against the Bruins, also down 2-1, they won game four. 
and they played quite well in that game. That was a closer game. That was the one where Barzell scored the winning goal, breaking a 1-1 tie mm-hmm. somewhere in the third period. I can't remember. It was I don't think it was super late, but it was it was deep in the third period. Like, it was deep in the game, and then they won 4-1. I think they scored two empty netters. To, so the final score made it seem more lopsided than it actually was. But in both of their first two series, and get ready for this storyline, because we're going to be hearing it steadily over the next <laughs> day and a half, how the Islanders twice in this playoff year split the first two in the road, lost game three at home, and then won the next three, including game four at home. Game five on the road, and then game six at home. But but what I am uh, the point I'm trying to make is that certainly in the Pittsburgh series, and I'm sure you can back this up, having followed that series, and and probably in the Boston series too, if not their best game, one of their one of their better games was Game Four, where yeah. all of a sudden now they're yeah. up against it, a loss and they're down three one. Bob is right how big Game Four is. So I don't know if the Islanders are going to quote unquote make adjustments or just so what did play play better play at the level that we saw them play in Game One, which I'm not sure they've been able to reach that level since then. The Lightning have had something to do with that. Well, what did but well, Dave? What did I tell you after Game One though? And I don't know if this is going to be true. I think it's playing out yeah, at least. You after did this. say that. I, I I didn't. I thought that was the perfect game for the Islanders. I mean, Dave, everything they did, it felt like went their way. I thought a big reason why they generated a lot of offense in that game was because of their forecheck, and I didn't think the Lightning handled it well, at least in that first period. I remember Brock Nelson starts it off with a really good shot in the slot. Yeah. I felt like their forecheck made Tampa Bay more uncomfortable than what I had seen in these playoffs, at least the last couple of games after they finished off Carolina. I thought the Islanders played as well as a team with their capabilities could have played. And I said to you after game one, I want to see if they can replicate that for three more wins. I don't think they can. And if they can't, they better make sure the Lightning don't find, quote-unquote, their game. And you know what we're starting to find out? The Lightning are starting to find, quote-unquote, their game a bit more now. And I'm not saying it's been perfect. We, we get that. I mean, teams are going to have pushback in a playoff game. You're never going to play 60 great minutes. I always, you and I, we, we laugh, at least I do, when I hear coaches say, you know, we didn't play a full 60 minutes. Well, when are you ever going to play a full 60 minutes? The other team, like we saw last night, the Islanders, from the second half of the second period on, you can make the argument, we're the better team. Maybe it was more zone time. Remember, maybe it was more glorious scoring opportunities. Maybe it was just Tampa Bay not playing particularly well. Let's give credit to the Islanders for what they did to knock Tampa Bay off their game. It's what you do during that time that I think oftentimes, Dave, will determine if you win or lose. In other words, the Islanders during their dominance, let's let's use that word, dominance during that that push where they really controlled play what did they do with it besides get a lot of zone time okay so they they tied things up at one but they end up trailing at the end of two after really having some pretty good moments that's not good enough that is not good enough hockey to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning so I want to see this Islanders team they're gonna have to show me that what they did in game one is something that they can do 
for three more games because the way they played in game one, I would agree with people. Yeah, Lightning are in trouble. I just don't know if they can sustain that type of play throughout this series. They may do it in spurts. It's what they do, though, Dave, in those spurts that's going to determine what happens in this series. you got to do something with it. You can't just skate up and down and say we had a lot of zone time, we had some shots on net, we really prevented Tampa Bay from getting those scoring chances. Okay, well, what did you do with it? Did you build a 3-1 lead? Did you have a 4-2 lead heading into the third? No. Instead, the Lightning had a 2-1 lead heading into the third period on the road. That's what you did with it. You didn't do enough of it. And so when we people ask the question, what adjustments are the Islanders going to make? I, I got to be honest with you. Can they go back and do what they did in game one? Maybe. That would be the adjustment I would make. That's hard to do. Can they all of a sudden get some more elite finishers? I, no. No, they've got to hope Barzell, I think, buries some chances. Close. And you know what? Maybe I'm going to jinx it, Dave, but I, I, I don't believe in jinxes. You know, it's been relatively quiet for them. And we talk about where are they going to find offense? Eberly. Eberly hasn't been as dangerous as I have seen him in these playoffs. Again, different team. But we start talking about Paul Mary as a guy who's getting some looks. Komarov, you can make a case the last couple of games, has gotten some glorious scoring opportunities. But he's not finishing. So it's Barzell. Beauvilliers had his moments here and there. Zajac's had some decent looks, but he, you know, where he is in his career, he's not a finisher anymore. You need Barzell, Beauvillier, and you may need Eberle to step up a little bit. So he's got that capability, particularly on the power play. But they need they need some guys to start finishing. If they don't, to answer Bob's question, I don't know what adjustments they can make that are going to be realistic to what their capabilities are. And I think that's probably something Barry Trotz is looking at. Maybe it's to get a few more looks from Pellick on the back end. He's got a bomb, and maybe that's one of the things they do. they got to hope maybe that guy finds the back of the net. You know, we talk about goals from defense. Well, particularly for the Islanders, that might be more important to get a guy like that going to get that big shot through to see if they can get a deflection or just to overpower Vassie like we saw earlier in the series. But I'm not sure, at least offensively, Outside of getting back to what they did in game one for an extended period of time, what more Barry Trotz can do? Because I think it comes down more to personnel than anything. And if you don't have the horses to pull that off, you can have the greatest system in the world. It's not going to mean much if those guys can't break through. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, look, if you're the Islanders, you're going to probably look at game three and say the first 30 minutes were not good enough for us. We got the chance from Palmieri early in the game, but we were not playing our brand of hockey, which we saw in the second half of the game. Now, this is from the Islanders' perspective. So, look, we, we tend to be a little myopic when we're looking at one team's objective and, and neglecting the fact that there was another team on the ice. I think that it makes analyzing a situation a little easier if we're just looking at, a, at how one team played. But I think from the Islanders' perspective, when you say what adjustments can they make, it may not be adjustments, but they may say, look, instead of tilting the ice for a portion of the second half of the game or a majority of the second half of the game, we need to try and tilt the ice more and more earlier in the game because I do think that it is going to be a key for the Islanders to try and get the lead and play with the lead. 
And if they had been able to do what they did in the second half of the game more in the first half of the game, maybe they would have gotten the lead. And then you talk about the sorts of things that that teams talk about. Traffic on the opposing goalie, shots to the net, score a greasy one, which is certainly how they scored the goal last night. The Zekas line has been good. They were they, they were maybe they were maybe their best line last night in terms of sustained offensive zone pressure. But again, I'm not sure that they had like a ton of phenomenal chances. Well, and let's but face they it drove too. play. That's the fourth line. They're, they're not. They don't have elite skill, so they're getting chances. They may get a greasy goal here and there. We saw. But that, that may be all that the Islanders three. need. Like well, the but, Islanders may not. They're probably looking at it and saying, "We don't need to score four goals. Maybe we can score two, and that'll be enough." The way we defend. If they think, and I'm not saying they're saying this, Dave. I'm just making a counterpoint here. If they think scoring just two goals is going to be enough to beat the Lightning in in a series, in a seven game series. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. That's not going to work with this team. Maybe against the Penguins. Maybe against the Bruins. Not this team. So, yes, maybe their fourth line was dangerous. I'm just simply going to counter to you. If the fourth line for the Islanders was their best line, you've got some problems because it goes back to finishing. Get some chances. And if they're creating chances, the fourth liners are fourth liners for a reason. They're not finishing as much as the first or second line guys do. I appreciate the effort. And if they get the odd goal, that's fine. But I think we would say the same thing if the Lightning's fourth line was their best yeah. line. Yeah, we, You'd say well, they need more from their top guys. And if the Islanders, if that's their game plan, guys, we got to win this series two games to one. That's basically how we're going to beat the, the Lightning. Then you know what? You're going to be watching Tampa Bay play for the Stanley Cup. That's so maybe I shouldn't have said they're going to – I don't think the Islanders are saying in game four – we just need to score two. I, no, I didn't, no, I, I I didn't phrase that very well, but I do think that they're probably saying, let's really try and get the lead here and put Tampa Bay in a position where they have to play catch up. And, that's and maybe fair. we can expand our lead. And that's fair. By, by forcing them to press. You know what the Islanders really their, need to do? Their game plan. The Islanders or, the, need, or how they have a lot of success. They need to get a two goal lead. They do. A one goal lead's nice, and depending upon when that is in, in the game, like if they, if, you know, say if it's a zero zero game and they score with two minutes remaining in, in the third period and they're leading one nothing, yeah, okay, that might be enough. But they need, they need to get like a three one, two nothing lead. I think on this Lightning team because I think we have seen one the Lightning aren't going to get rattled being down necessarily to the Islanders, especially by just one goal. And I think also, too, it goes back to it gives you a little bit of a cushion because the other team is going to push. puts a lot of pressure on your team. I don't care how structured you are. Going against the defending Stanley Cup champs, if you're only leading by one goal, you know, ticks, you know st sticks get tight all of a sudden, Dave. Your hands start to wobble a little bit. Maybe you're not making the right play. The margin of error is so small. And I think for the Islanders, and that's, I think that's a legitimate question. You know, they showed a little bit of that in game one. Do they have enough offensive firepower, not only to play with the lead, Dave, but probably to give themselves a multi-goal lead? Because you know the Lightning, I think the way they're playing, are going to push. They have found ways to score, whether it's a beautiful goal by Kucherov for point, or whether it's just a greasy goal that we saw from Yanni Gord after Blake Coleman throws the puck in front of the net. I think that would that would be something that they need to look at and say, yes, we want to play with the lead. And the Lightning have done a great job the last two games of scoring first. But then the Islanders need to look at this and say, not only do we need to score first, 
we probably need to play with a multi-goal lead. And that is something that uh, we'll see if happens uh, coming up on Saturday. Phil says teams that take a 2-1 lead, Dave, you're going to love this stat, <laughs> have a 7-8-1 winning percentage in a best of seven semifinal series. Now, we can go uh. back. We can go back. But that you know what that is? That tells me that stat is so favored of the team who wins 2-1 or up 2-1 in a series. I don't think that stat lies either. That doesn't yeah. mean Tampa Bay is going to win it. But that's a that's a it's, that's not like a 545 win percentage. I mean 781 is I don't care when those stats you know started to uh be jotted down whether that was in the the 80s early 90s or whatever I and mean, that's that's a pretty well if we're just talking a stat. semifinal series that goes back to the original six because yeah, the first so round of the playoffs yeah. was the semifinals right so that that goes back away so i you know understand that different Look, eras. you'd rather be up to one than down to one but being up to one guarantees you nothing i mean the lightning were up to one against chicago in the 2015 stanley cup final we know how that one ended up it guarantees so. us great questions like this one from christian it's more right. of a, a Let's comment hear he says question. very solid effort from the boys last night thought they did their best work in the first period they were able to weather the storm in the second huge goal at the end they sat back a little much for my liking in the third but the last five were fantastic yeah pretty good analysis there i would yeah. say the beginning of the second period though was really good for the lightning i mean maybe everyone was just glossing over that because the islanders did make a push in the second half of that second period but they didn't have anything going in the first 10 minutes the islanders of the second period and the lightning had way more of the possession a lot of a lot of pressure they were yeah. able to apply in the offensive zone i'm not sure that kind of like we've talked about with the islanders the Lightning maybe didn't generate a ton of dangerous chances, but shots in the second period were 13 to 9 Islanders. I would say that the Lightning in the first 10 minutes probably had six or seven of those nine shots, and the Islanders probably only had like two or three. I mean, I think that's how much it swung in the second half of that second period. But Christian is right. I don't know that the Lightning intentionally sat back. I don't think it was that. I think that they were a little off in their execution with the puck and on rush coverage. Yes. By rush coverage, I'm talking about how easily the Islanders seemingly entered the offensive zone. I'm not talking about rush coverage like they got a bunch of two-on-ones and three-on-twos. They didn't. But the Lightning were not gapping up quite as well for whatever reason. Maybe that is sitting back a little bit. But when the Islanders got it into the Lightning's end the lightning dug in. And so other than those isolated looks, the Islanders didn't generate as much as you might have expected based on the amount of possession time that they had in the third. Al says... Uh, it was good enough. Yeah, It was good sure. enough in the third period. It wasn't clinical like their third period against Florida in game six or their third period against Carolina in game five, those closeout games. Those were spectacular third periods. This was not at that level. But it was good enough. And that's all that matters in the playoffs. Al said adjustments might mean activating their D more. It could backfire with more lightning on man rushes. If the lightning continue to use the stretch pass, it will force the Islanders out of their comfort zone. Should be a good game, but similar to last night's, meaning game four. That, that, that very well could be. We have seen the lightning break free a, a bit yeah. with that stretch pass from defensemen. 
Uh, I just want to see them continue to play with speed coming through the neutral zone, have that strong support, and keep it simple. If it's not there, dump it in and go to work and make make the Islanders defend. I, I don't think that's ever a bad play. Dave, I, I want to, uh, before we sign off here, I want to say thank you to our listeners. We've had a couple people start to email us. Um, this one was um, Eric Lansing from Glen Falls, New York, who wrote us a nice email the other day. He's been listening throughout and enjoys our analysis. Also, too, uh, Sarah Wesley. It was her anniversary yesterday. She was uh, hitting us up on Twitter saying how much she enjoyed listening to the broadcasts. And tell your friends, folks, this is your only place for lightning content uh, 24-7. We do, uh, we do the best we can to uh, put on a, a good show for you, and hopefully you're enjoying it through this cup run. It's always better when the team wins, but Dave and I have a blast doing it with Steve, and we hope uh, you're taking it all in with us as well. So I wanted to get that out there, Dave. Our, our listeners are important to us, and we appreciate that. Yes, of course. We do not expect every married couple to spend their anniversary listening to us, though. But thank you, Sarah, hey, for, for doing it. Dave, speak for yourself. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, we're going to talk tomorrow, Dave, but happy Father's Day. Yeah, you to too. you and Steve, happy Father's Day to and, you. And there's no game on Sunday. So. There's no game on. We're going on a boat. We're going, going on, on a boat, boat with the little Very ones. Nice. How about that? We're going on a boat. I'm not sure how I feel about that. We're going on a boat, though. And, By the way, uh, I saw Gianna's, uh, I don't know if that was her her social media debut. It but, wasn't. Could you tell? <laughs> well, well, I, 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 I was either really impressed that it was her debut or I figured that she'd had some practice at it. But Is she, is she trying to follow her You got her a firecracker on your hands there, oh, my I've, man. I've got, I've got two of them. I've got two of them. And uh, She did very well. Yeah, she's Displaying some of your... Some of your Charisma. wares, right? <laughs> well, I was talking about the the stuff that she was wearing, right? That's true. Yeah, she she uh, is modeling, and uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. My wife's doing a good job on the side there with uh, littlemonkeyskids.com. Check it out if you can. Um, all right, so happy Father's Day, really, to everybody. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Uh, let's see if the Lightning can go up 3-1. Dave and I, along with Phil and Steve, will have all the coverage for you. Tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, the puck drops a little after 8 o'clock with those nationally televised games. But at 7 o'clock, it'll be Brian Burns and Kaylee Chelios for the pregame skate show. I'll have the network pregame at 7.30. Dave and Phil will have the game call at 8. And then I'll have the last call afterwards. And I think, uh, is that going to be Brian with me? Maybe It I will be, be Brian, yes. We'll be Brian right. will be with me tomorrow. Thank you, Steve. And uh, we'll be talking some good hockey after the game. Dave, great job as always. Again, happy Father's Day to you, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Yes, talk to you tomorrow. Happy right. Father's Day. Same to Steve Versnick as well, our outstanding producer and engineer. And thanks to everybody out there for listening. We always appreciate it. We'll be with you again with this show on Monday, noon to 1, but listen to the broadcast, obviously, tomorrow starting at 7 o'clock right here on Lightning Power Play.